Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I am an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and hopefully interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Witches, Witches, and Queers. I am here with Erica Mendez. Hello, Erica. Hi, Christina. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Like in general, I was just excited to see you because um, we met at uh, Neon Wild. <laughs> Dancing. Dancing. <laughs> and um, now we have a connection through my brother. And um, I, I kind of want to start out with a funny question. What were you like as a kiddo? Hmm. Are we talking like five or 10 early, early, like your earliest memories, (laughs) earliest memories. I love to sing and I love to dance. And so when we look back at VHSs, because we still do, my dad has them and can play them. You see me just running around the house singing Whitney Houston songs and just a lot of energy, a lot of energy. Amazing. Um, did you have an outlet for singing or were you just singing in your home? Just singing in my home. Yeah. Is that a family thing? Singing is not necessarily a family thing, but music is. My dad was a funk musician in the 70s. He plays the trumpet, the trombone, and he used to travel with the band. And then my parents put me in piano lessons pretty early and uh, later I taught myself to play the guitar and the ukulele. And so just being musical was always in our blood. I wouldn't say that any of us were like singers, but we know how to carry a tune and we like, we like the uh, expression of music of singing. That's incredible. I grew up around a lot of music as well. Um, it never stuck for me, but I, I have a deep appreciation for it because I tried desperately for so long. <laughs> what did you play? Um, I was put in piano lessons, mm-hmm. um, but and I played E flat clarinet. But I like honestly never learned to read music. Mm-hmm. It it didn't stick in my brain, so I would just like play by ear, which um, or memorizing like how like the movements, and it, you know that only got me so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, uh, when you were little, like, and you were singing and expressing yourself through dance and music and these different avenues, like, what, did you have a sense of spirituality? Did that mean anything to you as a kid? Hmm. As a child, I would, I wouldn't say that music as a means to spirituality meant anything to me. But as I got a little bit older, say middle school and high school, I was really, it was always music that pulled me into 
the church that I went to at that time. The feeling that I got during praise and worship, during summer camp, we would sing these songs, really spoke to my, my heart. And I didn't know when I was a child what that was, but I've always just been really moved by music. Absolutely. So what was your what was your family spirituality like, that environment? It's interesting that you use the word spirituality there instead of religion, because, of course, they're two different things. But growing up, it was in hindsight more about religion and less about spirituality. So. I'll have to think for just a moment to try and separate those two. Um, Spiritually, wow, Christina, that's sort of a difficult question. Like, what was, what was, because spiritually, um, I mean, I was in a lot of religious environments that I would say weren't very spiritually driven. Um, They're very earthly in a lot of ways and um, driven by physical things. And so, um, and my, I would say my dad is a really spiritual person. Um, and but my parents, just like a lot of folks of their generation, just went to churches and it was more about religion than about spirituality. So as I've gotten older, I've sort of been able to connect with my parents on a spiritual level. But when I think of growing up, I don't think of spirituality, I suppose. Yeah. So with that being said, like what, what was it that brought you into spirituality if you didn't grow up? Honestly, it's something that's just always been in me. So even as a child, I was that kid in church where at nine or 10, I could feel that something didn't sit right with me if the pastor was, say, communicating a lot about money. Um, the prosperity gospel is a really big thing at the church that my parents and I went to for a while. My parents started at one church when we were really young. And then that church was more traditional, older church. And so with them having kids, they moved to a different type of church that had a lot of young people and seemed more vibrant. And now that they're older and the kids are out of the house, they actually returned to the original church they went to. Mm. But that church in the middle, it had a, a lot of issues where when I was a kid, I'd be like, well, why did he say that? Or this doesn't feel right. Like, or it was the sort of church where the pastor was, there was this cult of personality around him. And that always felt really strange to me or that the pastor should have a lot of money and, um, like something in my heart was just always, always felt like to lead meant there was, it should come from a place of holding space or of modesty. And to, so just to have like this flashy person leading the congregation and never, it never sat right with me. And so that all, that caused a lot of issues with my parents when I was a kid. Cause they were like, why are you asking so many questions? Just do the thing that we're all doing. But it's just something in me has always been like wanting to ask questions and I just feel things at a really deep level. And um, yeah, I haven't figured out a way to explain what that is. It's just yeah. something in me. Was, how's, yeah. 
that was going to be my next question. I was like, what do you call that now? Like, do you feel like you understand like that as your intuition or your like your higher self? I know people have a lot of different names for like that, the guidance within them or the person that kind of like always knew, you know? Yeah, I would call it my intuition. Yeah. How beautiful that that part of you was intact in the midst of a space that wasn't really holding space for you. Yeah, that is really lovely to think about. And there are plenty of times where I have, it's been communicated to me to get rid of that, to suppress that. But for some reason, it's always pushing through. And luckily, I'm at a point in my life where I'm able to really acknowledge it now. And I don't have as much weighing on me societally, culturally telling me not to acknowledge that intuition, but I actually get to pay attention to it. Sounds like you kind of always knew that that was supportive for you. Yeah. I think about that sometimes, though, how some folks can, they could have that voice, but they could go their whole lives without ever acknowledging it, or they could suppress it so well and just end up listening to other people or deciding to live a life that doesn't honor that. But then how how there are these other people that can't do that. Like you could be like, okay, I'm just going to try and blend in. I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing, but you just, you can't. <laughs> and what is that? Why, <laughs> why are we like this? <laughs> why are we like this? Yeah. I swear some bodies are just loud. Mm. You know? Yes. Oh, that's an amazing way to put it. Yeah. Because I mean, if we talk, if we talk about like, our culture as a whole, it's like the oppression of bodies is where this is starting from. Like that oppression of our intuition is really from white supremacy, is from colonization, it's from like our founding. So I feel like it would make sense that like some of us are just fucking rebellious. Yeah. And it's just like these are just loud. It's just loud. It's like you're gonna fucking listen to me. Like you can't not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how spirituality has like evolved for you then. Like if you kind of always had this experience of like knowing something and like continue to maintain that connection, your body was being loud in this process. Like tell me a little bit more about that process towards listening to them. Hmm. So that's a great question. When I was younger, I grew up in a really religious atmosphere. So we went to a non-denominational church. I went to a Presbyterian summer camp. I went to Catholic schools and we were hitting it from all angles. And at that time, I suppose I thought that religion and spirituality were the same thing. And so, but because I wasn't connecting with the religious aspect of the spirituality um I distanced myself really far away from religion and at that time what I considered spirituality but of course even as I lived like a totally secular life there's still this voice in me that has never been just totally satisfied with material things or physical things in this world. And so um, I just kind of floated around for quite some time. And then later in life, so in the last few years, I had a daughter 
and she was born with medical needs. And we have had quite a journey and it's been extremely difficult at parts. And um, and one thing that happened was last summer uh, at two years old, she went into liver failure and had to get a liver transplant. Mm -hmm. And so right after that happened, throughout the process of her journey, I already started to feel myself wanting to pull back into something religion wise, spiritual wise. I just felt like when you go through something that's so traumatic or, I mean, it is otherworldly in a lot of ways. Um, it makes you want to hold on to something. And my first thought is like, well, maybe I should go back to church because that's how I was raised. Even though I have a lot of issues with the church, that's something that, I mean, it lives in me. It's really deep in me. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that. And so I started feeling that pool. And then after her transplant, I really was feeling the pool to connect to something. And so I actually last fall decided to try some churches. And I pretty quickly, long story short, I was like, no, this is not (laughs) like, I can't, I can't. Um, because I have so much PTSD from it. I do like the community aspect. And there were a few churches that they were like, you know, God is love. And it's really beautiful about um, connection and um, forgiveness. And then as soon as they're like, and Jesus died for your sins, uh, Hosanna forever, we worship you. And I'm like, okay. I like, it's so triggering for me that I'm like, I can't even, I just can't. And then also the manipulation with the music and what I recently heard on TikTok this week called the cry night voice or like that voice that they use to get you to come to the altar and I was so susceptible to that as a child and but as an adult I can just see all of it happening and I'm like that's not why I'm here I really deeply want to like my daughter has had a lot of issues with her physical body and it has shown me even more so that we are more than our physical body because our spirit is so vibrant. It's so strong. And so I, I, I just need, I wasn't sure exactly what I needed, honestly, but I was like trying anything at this point because I was having a really difficult time. Um, and so I ended up restarting my yoga journey, which I've been taking yoga on and off for about 10 years. And um, I decided to restart practicing yoga and meditation. And that hit exactly what I needed spiritually. And before my journey with my daughter, when I thought of yoga, I thought of the asanas and the physical practice of it. But when I came back around the different spiritual aspects of yoga spoke to me. And so, um, like I said, I tried some churches and that didn't work out. And I, at this point, I really plugged into the eight limbs of yoga, um, and the yamas and the niyamas and have the, just that moral compass and that way of, self-study and understanding the world is my current basis for understanding spirituality. 
Um, and then music, 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 music is also always going to be there. Um, like I mentioned, when I was younger, I was really, I'm a sensitive person. So I was really susceptible to the manipulation of the music in church. And so now I save that for live theater, for Broadway shows. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like you all can make me cry. It's yes. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not trying to manipulate my soul. Um, but yeah, so that's where I am currently. That's beautiful. I'm curious, like, um, with uh, yoga, I, I don't know that much about it. I have heard of the eight limbs of yoga. I practice yoga, um, but uh, not like daily. And I haven't studied the eight limbs, but I have heard of ahimsa, which is the mm-hmm. concept of do no harm. Yes. I'm curious if you know about that, like, could talk about that and how that's affected you. Yeah. So how that affects me currently, um, and Hemsa is one of the yamas, um, and like you said, it's non-harming or non-violence, but it's in thought, word, and deed. How I'm currently internalizing that is the language I use towards myself. Because we can think about these on really big levels, like, oh, non-harming, non-violence, we shouldn't go to war with other people. But there's other things like judgments that we cast on people, that we cast on ourselves, the way we talk about people around people. Um, and like, you know, maybe as I'm a mom, and so I think about maybe I never say to my child any judgmental thing about her, but if I'm judging people all around her all day, that's communicating to her that she doesn't have room to make a mistake and that she's not free because no one around me is free. And so thinking about not harming myself and others with words is where I am with that particular yama. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, How does self-compassion play into that practice? Mm. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Great question. (laughs) That is a daily practice I'm working on currently. Um, It's something that everyone should work on. I think particularly I'm in a lot of communities with parents and so you got to have compassion for yourself, uh, medical parents, yeah. compassion, compassion, compassion. Mm-hmm. Currently, I work on that through affirmations mm-hmm. uh, and really just paying attention to our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine in general, the practice of yoga is helping you pay attention to your thoughts. Absolutely. It helps me to slow down. And self-study is a part of yoga. And so you you can't go to classes and get away from, like you really have to sit down with yourself and think about where you are and what you're doing on the mat versus what you're doing off the mat and how, you know, once you find types of classes that really work for you and messages that work for you, how do you take that from the mat to out in the world? Yeah. It's such a powerful practice. It really is. And it's unfortunate because what people that are outside of the yoga world, even people inside of it, think of as yoga is 
you know, people are like, oh, uh, you have to be really flexible and bendy and you have to be this, you know, your body needs to look this way and you have to wear these types of clothes and that's what yoga is. And it's not, once you get deep into it and you find out what it really is, it's such a powerful practice. And just the word practice, I always tell people, I actually just finished my yoga teacher certification Mm -hmm. and something that I always want to put on people is it's a practice. It's something that you're learning every day. You don't just get there. And practice is also knowing yourself. So you know what standard you're holding yourself against. Like we're not comparing ourselves to other people. We're looking at ourselves today exactly where we are. And so, yeah, just. Oh. You're making me cry. I, <laughs> I oh, God. Yes, the word practice um, is so key, especially for those of us recovering from religious trauma, mm-hmm. because it is the opposite of getting something right. Yeah. It is the continual space of being in process and mm-hmm. making mistakes, like you said, which only happens then with that piece of non judgment and observance. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Thank you so much. Hello loves, it's me, Christina. I wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one rebuilding coaching series. This 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it. We work on inner critic, dialogue, confidence, and trusting yourself to make decisions. I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives, and I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, these spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. I'm curious what, like, with your journey, like you said that this practice of yoga really filled that spiritual space for you, um, that you were really longing to find, and you found it, and with anything, there are challenging pieces. I'm curious what was, um, what has been the most challenging or taken the most time for you to move into as far as your yoga practice? What has been the most challenging to move into? That's a great question. The first thing that comes to mind is consistency because I'm really busy and it's not like, oh, well, you know, every Sunday your parents are taking you to church. It's like you have to make time for this. And um, especially when you are like me and you have a child with medical needs and you're always going to therapies and appointments, just making time for yoga and um, all of the different 
aspects of it that I want to bring into my life is I have to be super intentional. And then while practicing yoga, the chitta vritti or the thoughts in your head are my thoughts are just, I mean, my brain is at 110 all the time. And so quieting those thoughts is, and being present and mindful is the hardest thing for me. But like we said, it's a practice and I see myself getting better at it all the time. And what I love about yoga and about breath work and meditation is even if you only get to do it for 30 minutes that day that's 30 minutes you did it that day and there are other days where you don't get to do it at all and so it's like if I only breathe and quiet my thoughts for 30 minutes today then I did it today so I try and think about it in that way yeah I I love that you mentioned (laughs) like you're busy and this is something that is like ongoing and I you know I I think it's um, pretty, you know, well known at this point that like self care is not like a glamorous thing, and self love does not look like some pretty picture of someone by the seaside all the time. You know, that's yeah. just not what it is. Um, so I'm curious, like, what this practice looks like in your daily life. Like, what is it for you? Like, what does it look like when you're showing yourself self compassion, or you are making time for 30 minutes a day like what comes to mind for me is like I need a fucking break so I lock myself in my room while my toddler's you know watching a show to eat a cracker by myself because I need a hot minute you know Mm -hmm. like sometimes that's like self-care and self-love yeah for sure when it comes to yoga and meditation I get up earlier than my daughter so and the earlier I get up, the earlier she's been getting up. So I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to find some time. This morning she woke up at 7.30 and I'm like, no, I need several hours to get everything done. Uh, But I wake up in the morning and I journal. I do this sort of journaling that's PIES, P-I-E-S journaling, where you check in with your physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual self. And you ask yourself what you need each day. And it could just be one sentence, like, you know, my back is hurting today. I need to be horizontal. (laughs) Like that could just be what it is. And then you work that into your day. Um, I also do morning pages. Are you familiar with that practice? Mm -hmm. Where you, for, you take out a journal and for, I mean, you could do, it's about 20 minutes for my size journal. It's three pages. So I get up and I just basically brain dump onto the page Mm, um, and write whatever I'm thinking, get it all out and then do 20 minutes of yoga. And then I meditate for however much time I have left. So it could be five, 10, 15 minutes before I like have to give my daughter her next round of medication. And then I also at my studio, I aim to do yoga three times a week. And I recently started adding in restore yoga, which before, before I started this journey, I was like, I don't want to do restore yoga. Like what? I want to like get strong. I want to move my body. But when it came to this past fall and yoga actually started 
starting to calm my nervous system, that's when I saw the value of restore yoga, which is a yin yoga where you hold each posture for three to five minutes. And it really works on um, your tendons and your ligaments in between your muscles. And for someone who's a mom, who's busy, who's tired, it's like the best thing ever. And so I try and work that into uh, my practice each week now. And that also is something that we're talking about yoga and what I do spiritually, but also I've been thinking a lot about this concept of self-care and self-improvement is almost like a religion in America. And I've caught myself in the past getting whipped up into that. And, but I was reading some things recently, like I read a book and I saw um, some things posted online about what's truly revolutionary and what's truly self-care is rest, right? Because we're not taught to rest. Like Americans, we are like, go, go, go. If you don't do this, this, and this, you don't have all these jobs, you're making money, then you're lazy and you're going to be poor and you're going to be this, that, and you're going to die, you know? So (laughs) I like this concept of just like, I can do self-care as journaling and yoga and running. I don't know why I said running. I'm not running anywhere, (laughs) Um, but you know, like exercise, cardio, Um, or I could just rest my body. I could just quiet my mind, lock myself away, curl up with the book, maybe not, maybe just go to sleep and how that is truly revolutionary, how that truly is self-care. Do you follow the nap ministry? I don't, but it sounds amazing. (laughs) It's uh, truly incredible. The nap ministry on Instagram. It's literally um, fantastic, incredible women. Um, Yes, that that is their entire, that is their entire premise is rest as revolutionary. Okay. Wow. (laughs) I'm very into it. I will check them out. I I agree with you. It's so um it's so twisted and uh I I think like this is a very like a capitalistic mindset and this is what like a lot of Americans did with yoga. Like um it's part of like I think a lot of it is cultural appropriation, but it's just like this we're going to take something that isn't ours and like make it into some profitable thing. So you see this mm. with like yoga and meditation. It's like we'll encourage our like our corporate workplace people to meditate and it like sounds good, but they're like doing it so that you can be more productive and they teach it as a way of like doing this so you can get more done. And it's Mm -hmm. like, they miss the point entirely because like you're saying, it's like, it's really not about that. It's about like full restoration and the fact that like, you don't actually need to fucking do more or be anything more. You already are. It's about realizing that. Yeah. yeah. Realizing that you're already doing enough. You already are enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The book that I have been working through is called Pause, Rest, Be, and it's by Octavia Rahim. What's it called again? Say it one more time. Pause, Rest, Be. And the author's name is Octavia, last name R-A-H-E-E-M. excited about that 
tell me more. Um, well, so I found her and through when I started deciding, oh, I didn't even think I talked about this, but I decided after I felt so much more balanced and relief with returning to yoga and meditation last fall that I wanted to give that gift to other parents that um, have had medical trauma with their kids. And so I am becoming a trauma-informed yoga instructor. And I follow this page. Um, and I'll have to tell you that page too, because it's awesome. But she does trauma-informed meditation and yoga. And she was a survivor of sexual trauma. And um, so that's the perspective she comes from. But of course, trauma is trauma and lives in our body in very similar ways. And so um, she just, um, she kept talking about this book and um, how powerful it is. And it, I say I'm working through it because the chapters are really short and then it'll just be like, okay, now take some time to sit with yourself. And I'm like, okay, I, I will do that. <laughs> so, um, but just, I love to, Octavia Rahim, the author, I went to go follow her on Instagram and this was in May and her page was like, okay, I'm taking a month off to be away from the internet. And I'm like, this is so great. Cause you know, especially as someone who's like trying to get into, like, I, I'm trying to get I was Yeah. I guess basically trying to start a business, trying to get out there, um, for what I do. And it's like, you feel like social media is you have to be on it all the time. And I'm like, but are there people that aren't on it? Are there people that are making their lives work that are resting, but are also successful right now? And so to see someone just be like, hey guys, I'll be back later. It was really inspirational in that resting space. God, isn't it such a relief to your entire body when you see that? Oh, yeah. It <laughs> gives you, it gives, it gave me permission and although I already feel like I have permission, getting permission from someone who's like creating right now was felt really important. I feel like, it's, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because it almost feels like you aren't going, like you're going to disappear and you aren't going to be able to create or be anyone if you aren't plugged into some of these social media sites, but you are. You're still there. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> It's, I think it's like a form of, um, people call it different things in like the world of manifestation and um, whatever. But like, I, I think it's basically just representation. Like seeing someone who's done what you want to do in the way that you want to do it. It's like, it is permission. And it's also just like a gateway for you to believe that it's possible for you. Yeah. You know, because you absolutely done it. Uh, I follow uh, this incredible human, Daje. Um, they're, I think it's called the Story Doula, but they do a lot of work with creatives on building their businesses in sustainable ways. And Daje is fucking brilliant. I've heard them speak, um, interviewed by a couple other people that I follow. And anytime, anytime I get the chance to hear Daje say anything, it's fucking incredible. And everything they do is rooted in rest so empowered it's incredible the name the story doula is amazing i know right <laughs> yes to help these stories come <laughs> forth yes to be a guide it's beautiful yeah yeah i think uh, they'll love their stuff it's 
I, I've listened to, there was one interview that they did. A friend of mine interviewed them and it was like in a course that I got to listen to it. I have listened to that message six times. Mm. And I plan to listen to it like every month for, you know, another year. It's just, it's that good. Like the, okay. the reminders of what they're talking about is very similar to what you're saying of this rest and decolonizing work and like our creative process. And mm -hmm. yeah. Decolonizing our creative process. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? It's so juicy. Yes. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> the page I mentioned is called Transcending Trauma with Yoga. That's a yes. You know, it's so beautiful to me that we are like collectively coming to a place where we are realizing that trauma is in the body mm -hmm. and experiences are in the body. And because it has felt to me like you were talking about when you were younger, like having this sense of knowing that something is off, like, is how I felt about so many things as well. And you don't always have words for it, especially as a kid, but yeah, you can feel it when you see how it's aligned. Like in, in someone's post that says, I'll be back in a month. It's just like, you're just like, well, that's it. <laughs> like, you, you know, it's like, you can see it when it's lined up, you can feel it. It's like a whole body experience and to have people start to recognize this more collectively through yoga work and somatics is an embodiment. It's just like, so just feels like a big fucking relief. <laughs> I know it's so awesome. And then too, I'm like, how do we not know this? Like you guys, this is so <laughs> obvious, <laughs> but you're right. I do feel like, I feel like I like experienced trauma at like the perfect time almost like at this really great time for healing because oh yeah <laughs> yeah like we're just having so many more realizations at the moment and so yeah. um, of course it's up to me to plug in to actually do the work um, but the fact that like there are people to speak with that there's so many different types of um yeah like you said somatic work and, and just things that are being done is it's pretty awesome yeah, and it's, you know, I, <laughs> it feels like most things, so, like, life is circular, right? Like, it's not, it's not fucking linear. It's, like, not a pie chart. It's, like, this weird, like, swirly circle. So, like, we are, act in so many ways, we are just going back to the stuff that we destroyed to begin with, and then, mm -hmm. like, finding yeah. the root of that and being, like, look at this new thing we found and it's like this is not fucking new this is ancient like yes. ancient medicine <laughs> okay so that just made me think of two things first I love that you asked at the beginning what I was like as a child because I have this theory that and you're talking about life being circular that if you go back and think about who you were when you were eight that you knew exactly what you were into and who you were in that moment. Now, you might not know like, oh, I love Broadway, but you might know that music really speaks to you or that like you enjoy um, like breaking down patterns and puzzles and maybe that translates into sheet music later, you know? But like there's something about around like eight that a lot of us that are in our 30s and our 40s are 
coming back around to, at least when it comes to interest and what really moves you deep inside. And the other thing that you made me think of was, do you journal? Have you ever gone back? Have you ever had like a realization and you've gone back and read a journal and you're like, oh, I actually realized this a long time a ago. Long t- yes. <laughs> yeah. All this the time. Is new? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what? I, I thought about this and I had the same, like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I need to do this when I was 22 and now I'm, you know, in my thirties, I'm doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> what is, it truly is circular. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know I've heard of spiral dynamics and I've studied it just a tiny tiny bit but like it's like this upward spiral and I like to think there's like those lessons on either Mm. side so like every time we go up we just hit the thing again it's just that a different in a different way it feels the same it's like now I'm learning again that I need to trust myself it's like well yeah of course you're gonna be learning that your entire life but you're hitting it on the way up again and again and again you know okay that (laughs) is awesome thank you for that because sometimes like when that's happened in the past, I'm like embarrassed. Like, what? Come on. Why can't you remember the things that you're supposed to know? But the fact that the spiral is going up is really important because you're, it's, there's still movement, not just around in a circle, but also it's like it's dynamic totally. movement going in a direction. Yes. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. I love that you brought up the age of eight because one question that I love to ask people is um, if you're going to make a business plan, quote unquote, like, what would your eight-year-old self do? And what would your 82-year-old self do? Or what would they say? Mm. Like the advice from your eight-year-old is that like passionate, like I know who I am, this is what I love. And the 82-year-old is like, fuck it all, take the risk. And also like, you're going to be fine. Oh, and if you find something that they both would have in their business plan, then that's it. That's the goal. That's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I recently, so I crochet and make all kinds of stuff, but I've been making tops for the last couple of years. And I worked my first um, craft fair. I was a vendor at an event a couple of weeks ago. And my eight-year-old self was living. I was like, <laughs> if my eight-year-old self knew that I could make some stuff, people would buy it from me. And then I'd get to sit at a table and just talk to other artists and creators for hours and then meet people that are just like, I like creating things and I like buying things that people create and I just like let's listen to music and hang out I was like this is this is my dream and I didn't (laughs) even know it until I did it but I remembered it yeah yeah (laughs) as another remembering (laughs) exactly I hit the side of the circle that I hit at eight and was like oh yeah I've been here before I love that so I have a picture of my uh, five-year-old self on my desk and I felt very similar I taught a workshop um, last week. And I was just like, I can't believe that there's people sitting here listening to me talk. Like I'm having the most fun. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for you about that. Mm -hmm. How do you, well, okay. I'm just, how do you avoid like you in particular, not the Royal you, but having a, if you have that picture of your five-year-old self, how do you avoid feeling sad for that child, for the things that haven't been actualized versus, or for, maybe a better question is, did you have a happy childhood? Because that could be, (laughs) maybe just start there. 
Great start. Um, I have spent a lot of time crying for this child. Okay. A lot, a lot, a lot of time. Um, so, so don't avoid it is the answer. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just part of the process. Like sometimes I look at her and I'm sad, but like mostly not anymore because I've spent so much time crying about the experience of what she actually suffered. And at this point in my healing journey, Again, it'll be a spiral. I'm sure I'll go back. Um, but at this point, I'm in a space where I'm remembering all the beauty that she brought to the world, even when she was that age, and honoring her for those choices that God made. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that. It's, uh, I, I love that you brought that. up journals because I have maybe like 50. I... I was taught to write when I was really, really young because um, I was homeschooled until high school. And so I had a lot of, a lot of writing. And um, particularly when I got to like middle of high school through now, I have like maybe 50. So I'll go back and read them every once in a while and just like be with that person. And like you said, definitely like I realized the same thing like 10 years ago, like Jesus. <laughs> um but but also just making taking that practice you were talking about of that like non-judgmental like self-compassion bringing that compassion into my experience of my past self has what been one of the most healing things that I've ever done and Mm -hmm. I kind of make it like an every six months thing like not intentionally I just feel like kind of drawn to it about every six months where I'll spend an evening and just like read and cry and like offer kindness to this person yeah I absolutely love that thank you for sharing yeah thanks for asking yeah god I feel like I could talk to you forever but I know you have a engagement shortly (laughs) yeah no we will have to talk though because you know I'm friends with your brother and stuff comes up all the time and he's like my sister really likes that thing too, or she really <laughs> cares about that thing too. So I think we have a lot of overlap. Yes, agreed. Did you say overlap? No, is that a word? Do we just make it a word? I, you- <laughs> I said overlap, but I'm gonna write down overlap because I was like, that's damn. a thing now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this a yogic thing I don't know about? It's no. Title of Eb overlap. <laughs> <laughs> how to meet oh, no, it's and match your aura <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like a Gwyneth Paltrow product oh my god <laughs> the aura lap oh, totally totally <laughs> now it's a sounding sexual now that you say it <laughs> oh my god well thank you thank you thank you so much for spending time with me um and sharing your experiences and asking questions in return deeply appreciate you Yeah, thank you for having me. I knew you were going to ask me questions, but I didn't realize I was going to learn so much from you as well in this. So I appreciate you. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a lot to process. What what was supportive for you going forward? Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.